thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Miracles in Everyday Moments. This is Christina Boschman with Let My Legacy Be Love. Love, our greatest gift and our most precious legacy. Today, I've decided to share a story with you that I originally wrote to put into my book, Let My Legacy Be Love, but it didn't feel right for that particular project. So I thought with everything going on and everyone living in such close quarters and so close to their families due to the virus, that I would read this to you and maybe it will give you something to think about for issues that you might be having in your family. The name of the story is Message in a Bottle. I heard, rather than saw, my brother's old white Buick roll down my long driveway. Throwing open the window of my office, I called out, Sounds like you need a new muffler. He shot me a thumbs up, and then pointing to a snowdrift that had blown over the driveway, he called back, Who's ever in charge of the maintenance around here needs to be fired. That was my brother Ronald. When he was a baby... I was taken with the blueness of his eyes, the darker blue rays against the light blue that seemed a springtime palette reminded me of starlight. But beyond that, I thought he was a giant pain in the neck. Come on in, I said. The door's unlocked. After he removed his heavy boots and shuffled into my office in his stocking feet, I asked, what's up? He held a folder in one hand and hugged me with the other. I was wondering if you'd look over these documents before I take them to the accountant. Sure, I answered, opening the folder and then rifling through the papers. You know, I think I need to start charging you for my services, I said with a smile. He laughed. You got all the payment you need just having me for a brother. Besides, you're welcome to everything I've got, he said, pointing to the beat-up old car in the driveway. Then he shivered and asked, you got any coffee? It's freezing in here. You need to stop being so cheap with the heat. Go home, I said with a giggle as I studied the papers in front of me. There's coffee beans in the refrigerator and you know where the water is. A few minutes later, he shuffled back into my office. I hear you're going to Florida next week, he said. Yep, I'm leaving next Friday. Our brother Michael and his wife had just given birth to a daughter, seven, and I was counting the hours until I would finally meet her. It didn't hurt that I would have the opportunity to get away from the cold, damp weather that was typical for March in upstate New York. What would you think about having some company, Ronald asked. Why, do you want to come? I asked. Ronald's small construction company was always slow in the late winter. I was thinking about it. I've been busy all winter, but the next four weeks are quiet, he said. As I considered his proposal, the idea was growing on me. It would be lonesome spending long days with a baby while Corinne and Michael were at work, so having someone to talk with might be nice. It could work except for the late thing. My brother was as laid back as a hammock in August. 
Time is just a figment of our imaginations, he'd say when he arrived a full hour late for a dinner party. I, on the other hand, had a compulsion for punctuality. I practiced it like it was my religion. If you're going to ride with me, you can't be late for the flight, I warned. I'll be good, he said, sharing a boyish grin. Great, it'll be fun. Before he left my office, I jotted my flight information, and the next day, I received an email. All booked, it said. The following week, we ran to the airport with only 20 minutes to spare. We rushed through ticketing, then got held up in security because he packed a bottle of cologne in his backpack. Leave it, I said. Let's go. Chill out, will ya? He said with a sigh, winking at the cute blonde TSA officer with the red fingernails. She's always like this, I heard him say with a laugh. We hurried down the ramp, stepping into the plane just as the flight attendant was closing the doors. We chatted while we flew, talking about the old days when we were kids and he had been diagnosed with a learning disability. The other kids had made fun of him, and by the time he was diagnosed, he already had been labeled trouble with a capital T. To make it worse, he wore the label like a badge of honor, starting fights at every opportunity. Once the fight started, he'd scream three octaves higher than high C, calling to be rescued from the trouble he had started. My sister loved him with abandon, but if it were up to me, I would have liked to abandon him on the side of a back road, somewhere in the woods where there were bears hungry bears. He laughed when I shared that particular feeling with him. After only one day in the heat and humidity of Florida, I realized that I needed another pair of shorts. We can go to the mall if you want, he offered. I'll watch seven while you shop. Okay, I agreed. I'd, I'd really appreciate that. He took a shower and then came out of the living room where I sat cuddling the baby. Did you happen to notice where Corinne put the ironing board, he asked. Ironing board? What do you need that for? He made a face. What do you think I need an ironing board for? <laughs> I burst out laughing. I'm sorry, I said. Yeah, I saw it in the hall closet. He pulled out the board, laid his shirt across the surface, and with concise care flattened the thick cotton. When he was finished, he snapped the shirt, making a loud crack. While he dressed, I changed seven and had just laid her down when he came out of the bathroom smelling of shave cream and toothpaste. What are you doing, he asked as I closed the ironing board. I used it. I'll put it away. This was a side of my brother I had never seen. The three of us traveled happily all week, packing up the car just before lunch with a cooler filled with bottles of formula for seven and water for us. Each day, we set a plan for where we'd go. The mall, the museum, a concert in the park. The evenings were lazy and comfortable as we enjoyed delicious homemade dinners followed by reminiscing on the couch while Seven dozed on the lap of whoever held her. One morning, my brother had a suggestion. Let's go to Corkscrew Swamp Sanctuary. My brother Michael had told Ronald how much I liked it there. That's so nice, I said. I would love that. This was a very different week than I would have had if I had come alone, and I was having a wonderful time.
As we walked a crooked wooden boardwalk that laid a wandering way through the swamp, we swapped stories. Big colorful birds settled in deep green on the magnificent palms, calling out for their mates. Smaller birds of every shape and size floated in and over the swamp, while still others rustled through the tall grass. As the sun began to slant a little lower in the sky, we settled ourselves on a bench. Ronald sat with Seven on his lap, holding a bottle to her hungry mouth. There was a kindness in his eyes that caught at my heart. I had no idea you were such a loving man, Ronald, I said when I touched his arm. I could hear the wistfulness in my own voice. His eyes met mine and held for several moments before returning to the baby's face. Contrary to popular opinion, I am not a jerk, he said. I laughed. What? You're not? Mock horror. Then I giggled and shrugged. Ronald, you've always been so full of yourself. Quite honestly, I thought you were a pain ever since the day our mother brought you home from the hospital. His serious eyes met mine. If I don't love me, who else will? Just because I'm full of myself doesn't mean I'm a jerk. Then he raised his hand, pointed to his head, and moved it over the length of his body. I mean, let's face it, he said. Look at me. I have every right to be full of myself. I burst out laughing. Of course you do. We sat smiling at each other as swamp visitors wandered past. After Seven finished her bottle, Ronald wiped her chin, and we began packing the diaper bag. Just then, an older gentleman stopped and smiled at us. You two must be so proud, he said. You have such a beautiful little girl there. Ronald winked at me and pulled me closer. Oh, yes, we are very proud, he said with a smile. As a man walked away, I whispered, jerk. The peaceful trip ended a couple of days later with an early ride to the airport. Be careful with the car, I warned. The insurance is in my name. He smirked. Never fear, sister dear. As soon as you leave, I'm going to go drag racing over to the Naples Pier. But first, I'll stop at the bar for a few beers. We laughed together in the middle of the parking lot before his face grew serious. Then, holding me at arm's length, he looked into my eyes. You deserve the best, Chrissy. I mean that. Listen to me, please. Don't ever settle. Tears once more rose as I thought what a gift it had been for me to see the heart of my brother, a heart I had never truly seen as it had been obscured by an undeserved label. Hey, he laughed as I finally drew away. Keep up those workouts. A man likes a nice firm body. I still contend that you are a jerk, I laughed. Then I waved. I'll see you later. Thank you so much for coming with me. He waved back. Anytime. During the ensuing years, he began to suffer from seizures. But he continued to remain upbeat. He'd often stop by my office just to say hello, and each time he'd hug me hard with his dark blue eyes, giving me an intent warning. Don't settle. Several months after I met Rick, my current husband, I invited him to a family gathering. On the way home, he said, 
Your brother Ronald teases you relentlessly. That he does, I said. He is a character. Then Rick's demeanor turned serious. I hope you know that despite all the teasing, he's a really good man, he said. I do, I responded. Rick's expression was thoughtful when he said, Do you know what he said to me as he was leaving? I shook my head. He said, You take good care of my sister. He means it too, I answered with a smile. Rick nodded his head. I know. One early June day, a few years ago now, my sister called, leaving a hushed message. Call me as soon as you get this. When she picked up the phone, she said, Chrissy, Ronald died. What? I asked. He died, she repeated. Her voice dropped to a whisper when she confided. A couple weeks ago, he told me that the seizures were getting really bad and they were getting to him. They were weakening his heart. I could hear her tears when she said, he was only 51 years old. I had seen him just days before. Handsome as ever, he had said, where's Rick? He went to help his son, I answered. Ronald laughed his easy laugh when he said, oh, okay. For a minute there, you had me worried. I thought you scared him away. Not yet, I had giggled. His smile had been soft when he said, by the way, you're looking good. Love agrees with you. As the family shared stories about their experience with, with Ronald, I kept mine to myself. Maybe it's not fair of me, but I didn't feel any of them would understand the gift I had received that week that we spent together in Florida. I saw such love in him as he ironed his shirt with so much attention to detail, and when he lovingly cuddled Seven as he fed her her bottle. At the packed funeral service, others cried openly into soft tissues, but I sat with a half smile on my face. I am one of the lucky ones here, I thought. I had been offered the opportunity to look past an old label, and I had taken it. I knew firsthand the beauty of the man who had resided behind those stunning blue eyes, and I had no tears. After the dust settled and the family returned to the four corners of the northern continent, I stopped at my dad's to say hello. He talked nonstop about all the crazy things Ronald had loved to do. We laughed and shared our stories, but still I held my own story close to my heart where I will keep it forever. As my dad chatted, I looked around the kitchen to see the family photographs posted on the refrigerator and walls. In one, there was Ronald, a baby cradled in his arms, a bottle in his hand, a message of love. As I drove home, I finally found my tears. As a kid, I used to dream of finding a message in a bottle. I hoped it would be one sent off a tall pirate ship with battered sails or a castaway stranded on a desert island with only coconut milk to drink, his pants by now tattered up to his knees. In all my wildest imaginings, I never considered the possibility of finding a message in a baby bottle. But that's exactly where it was. And even though Ronald is gone, 
I can still feel his love in the loving instruction of take good care of my sister. I want to tell you why I chose this story, and it was for a couple of reasons. I chose it because in families, sometimes we're too embroiled in our own little dramas to give the members of our family the same benefit of the doubt that we give our friends and our colleagues. I also chose this story because it illustrates that many of the judgments we carry in family are old patterns, patterns that need to be reexamined. I've been grateful for years, but even more so now that Ronald has passed on, that I not only had the opportunity to look past a judgment, but that I took it and I was able to see the love in my brother's heart. I learned that the judgments we place on others need to be revisited from time to time because people change and they evolve. I learned that judgments in families many times are based on feelings and maybe not based on facts. I have learned in my lifetime that it is important to get the facts. I also learned that in situations where I feel I am being judgmental, I need to ask myself, where am I making this person wrong? And I learned that everyone deserves a second chance. I hope you've enjoyed this story, and I also hope you will check out my website, LetMyLegacyBeLove.com. I do have books for sale there for $6. That's the price that I pay for them until this madness is over. And I would love for you to check out the tab that's called the Breakthrough Squad. We are have a wonderful program and it is about breaking through a lot of these things that we are just used to doing and we don't think about them. Patterns in our families, thought patterns in our own heads. And I hope that maybe you can find something there that will be helpful to you. There's writings and there are podcasts. The other thing I would love to put out to you is if you have a story that you would like to share please email me at Christina, and that's C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-A, at LetMyLegacyBeLove.com. I would love to hear your stories because I really want to start interviewing people on my show. So thank you very much again for listening, for checking out my website. And also, I am going to be doing a few workshops called So You Want to Write a Book. I will have dates out on my website soon. I hope you will check it out. And again, thank you so much. And let your legacy be one of love.